it's scientific fact, it's indisputable that we're energy beings, right? That we just conduct energy and, and we gravitate and, and all of that. So if you just operate with that premise, it should be pretty straightforward, right? Hello, and thank you for joining us today on the Gentle Art of Crushing It show, where we focus on learning and sharing with our listeners all there is to know about how to create success in our lives. This show stands on the shoulders of giants. Our mission is to empower and inspire our listeners to create the life of their dreams whilst having a blast in the process. Let's celebrate life together. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, uh, welcome to the Gentle Art of Crushing It. I'm your host, Sean Graham, and today I just interviewed a great friend of mine, Sergio Altamari. Sergio is the founder of Hearthfire Holdings. Uh, it's a big self-storage company that has a large portfolio of self-storage properties throughout the country. They raise capital and they're not slowing down even in this tough economy. Um, Sergio and I talked about a lot of things, not only business, but we talked about meditation, mindfulness, uh, manifestation, education, and daily practices that he implements right uh, into his personal life and into his business life uh, just to make sure that he's giving his highest and best use of time and energy into um, his work and his day-to-day -day activities and just how that's made a massive difference for him to be creative uh, and to do the work that no one else can do. So anyways, if you are interested in any of these topics or what he might be doing, give this episode a listen. I think you'll really enjoy it. And without further ado, we'll jump into the show. Sergio, welcome to the show. Uh, I've known you for a long time now, and I'm just thrilled to, to have you on here. Sean, I appreciate it. Uh, great to see you and uh, catch up with you. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's been a little while, man. So um, I know you right through, we got connected through a GoBundance relationship. Uh, I've been in GoBundance Emerge. Um, I know you've been in uh, GoBundance for a while now. And we got connected because I think is one, you're into self-storage and then two, um, meditation and as well as three would be coaching. Uh, and so we kind of connected on all three of those levels and we hit it off and, um, yeah, we've known each other for a little over probably a year, year and a half now. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's been a while, but anyways, man, I just kind of want to, you know, have you on the show, talk about all three of those things and. Uh, what you're up to now, and uh, maybe we could just start with like your backstory a little bit uh, of you know where what you were doing before real estate, before you know Hearthfire Holdings came into existence, and how you got started there. Yeah, so you know it's interesting. Um, I'm I'm 47 years old now, and and I like to tell people that I've probably had like at least five or six lives um, where I've essentially kind of re reinvented and, and transformed um, over time into, into different people where I've, I've evolved and, and, and matured. And I'm now, I'm 47 now. And for me now, the way that I evaluate and I look at life is, is I'm more focused on evaluating what am I doing how am I showing up here and now today versus being so 
driven and focused, like very technical in terms of my life. What do I think I want to do and all that? And, and I'm not suggesting any, by any stretch of the imagination that, that goals aren't important because they're obviously super critical, but being laser focused on must be doing this by this date is, isn't just not the way life works. Right. So for me, um, you know, my, my life, my, my career, I'll go back to my career started when I was 18 and uh, working for the Federal Reserve. Uh, I was literally, I grew up in Philadelphia and I went to South Philadelphia High School. I didn't have, uh, you know, great, uh, I, I wasn't great academically growing up. And, um, and my parents are both born in Italy, so Italian immigrants. So I didn't have like parents just school education and whatever. I really learned how to work hard through, through my parents and, and, and hindsight, that is kind of the, 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 the key element to my success is whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to work hard. So I worked, started working at the fed when I was 18, I was literally in high school. It was this business academy, this business program that landed me that job. And it was at that time when I first um, was exposed to a quote unquote career where there was a career path and all that. Before that, I had just had jobs from, from the age of 14, whether it was paperboard or retail or whatever. So I just bounced around from jobs. Um, when I started working for the Fed, uh, I, I wasn't college material. So I started working while I was in high school, graduated high school. And then, um, you know, from there it would have been natural to go to college. I didn't have the grades to get in. I got, if anybody that knows, I got turned down by Temple, Temple University. And, and it's, well, and, and the athletics world is, I guess, more in football is a decent, decent school, but academically that's, it's not very difficult to get in, but I didn't just didn't have the grades. I didn't apply myself. Well, it wasn't because I was an idiot. It was because I was more in hindsight. It was more, I was bored of, you know, I wasn't challenged enough. So anyway, so I started working at the Fed. I was around a lot of very well-educated individuals, um, it was a the Federal Reserve was a huge organization, huge purpose. Um, and, and really first time I, that put me in front of, or around surrounding me around people that were going to lift me up and, and bring more out of me. And, uh, my career took off, right? I, I started in a file room and I left five years ago as, as an executive. So I worked my way up through the corporate ladder, literally, I mean, in, in every which way possible. I went through, I was in IT, so I, I went through the technology gamut. Um, my wife and I started, we met in 2012 and, and started to buy real estate, started with just multifamily properties. It started with one triplex and the triplex, we just bought it to start investing ourselves. We started, we got introduced uh, mostly through Corinne's uh, parents. That's that's what they did. They were, her father was an attorney, mom was a Montessori, at a Montessori school. So they didn't have like conventional IRA and 401ks. So they kind of created their own retirement plan, which was through real estate. They introduced us to real estate syndication. Um, and I should say before all that, I had my own false start in real estate back in 2004, where I bought a duplex on my own. I had the smarts to say, hey, I'll rent out this one unit, live in the other. So I was house hacking kind of before I knew what it was. Uh, the house, the property wasn't zoned as a duplex. So that was that was just a long lesson, one of many long lessons in real estate on uh, how to not do things. 
anyway, fast forward and we started raising capital from friends and family. Um, we, we, we wanted to share what we were building ourselves with anybody that we thought could benefit from it. And the more that we talked about it, the more that people were interested in it, it was kind of like really eye-opening. And, and as you know, uh, you know me well enough now, when I hear something that's really worthwhile and that can benefit people, I want to share it. And so we did that, um, started raising money and then uh, built a, a portfolio at its peak. Um, we had a property management company, real estate portfolio syndication business. That was about 175 units smaller, scattered site properties in and around Philly and, and just outside of Philadelphia. Uh, 2018 came around 2017, 2018, and we were like almost 10 years in an expansion cycle. And from all my years working at the Fed, I know how markets are cyclical. I know that usually there's about 10 years of a growth cycle, then there's a contracting, and then there's a, a credit crunch, recession, rinse and repeat. So I thought that that's what was coming at that time. Um, that was, it, it didn't develop mostly because the 2008 crisis is when the really the Fed and, and the government started uh, kind of a morphine drip of, of the financial markets by continuously doing quantitative easing, putting money back mm -hmm. into the market, which kind of distorted everything and continues to do that to this day. But that's, that's a whole other story. So anyway, so we, we were looking at getting into larger apartment communities. And, and at that time, um, couldn't find any deals that made any sense. I was doing all the underwriting. I always maintained a conservative view on underwriting on, on what was realistic, not like, hey, this is what you should be able to do. And so I just wanted to get, um, we wanted to go larger. Um, my wife quit the job in 2017, 2016. She also worked for the Fed. Um, and then 2017, I quit. And um yeah, and then we looked at what other asset classes might we consider if this if the multifamily was too saturated. Uh, so we found self storage and found self storage, and uh, man, the 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 rest is history. So, or we're actually I shouldn't say the rest is history. Now we're rewriting another level of history. And then along the way, man, I had all kinds of um, you know different transformations. You you mentioned um, meditation earlier. Um, I had to go through my own. Uh, levels of, of personal growth. And that put me on that journey of, of self-improvement and development. And, and really, um, it's all about increasing tolerance to higher and higher levels of stress rather than trying to avoid or eliminate stress. So that's, that's kind of always been my focus um, or, or has been my focus over the last 10 years is how do I continue to increase capacity and, and enjoy what I'm doing, man. So, yep. No, I love that. All that. I have so many questions for you. Um, you know, one theme I think that comes up a lot whenever we talk is education. And so you mentioned it, like when you were a student in high school, pre-college, you said you didn't get in the temple, your grades weren't that good. And you just didn't really fit in with like the traditional schooling system. You said your mother-in-law, she had a Montessori school. Um, what do you, you know, I, as for me, right, I have a one-year-old and I start thinking about school, even though I have a few years to really get him started into a school. And you think about, you know, I went to like private Catholic schools. You have great public schools where I'm at. And then you have these non-traditional types of schools like the Montessori schools. Um, in Michigan, Acton Academy is like mm -hmm. kind of around here. And I know we both know Jamie Gruber and 
Yeah. He he was part of that. Uh, but I also know you just moved to a farm, right? You just bought in the process. Like, We're in the process. In the process. Okay. Yeah. In the process. So what are you going to do? Because you have how old's your daughter? Six. Six. So what are you thinking, like education wise, and how's it different than you know going to be different than what you did? So so there's um, there's a couple different ways to look at it, um, and I think most people, and I and I'll say most because um, I do believe that to be true. Most people have a have the wrong view or a very simplistic way of thinking about education. And what I mean by that is school is one piece of it, right? But you can't defer education to school, right? Parents do that all the time. Well, how do I educate my child? I choose the school that I think is going to be good when the reality is you're educating them at a very early age on what the expectations of life are. You're, you're educating them based on, um, you know, how you lead by example, um, how they uh, adapt to their world. So for us, I'll answer your question first real quick. We, we take, our, our daughter goes to a, a school called Regina Luminous Academy. It's a, it's a private classical Catholic school. And, and the key part of that, which is also related to Acton Academy is it's classical education based, right? At its core, if you ever to look up what is classical education, this is kind of how education was say pre, I, I don't know how far back it goes, but I would say education has changed a little bit from like common core and more government, one size fits all method to education. Whereas education was going back from the you know Greco-Roman days was all about teaching you how to think and live a life of virtue and more embrace um, more kind of stoic philosophy right stoic is sto stoicism is about um, in no particular order justice courage um, wisdom and temperance, right? Those are the four elements that make up stoicism, you know, philosophy and, and education is all of that, right? We're talking about wisdom, which is, or, or, or wisdom is the application of, of knowledge. But when you're talking about education, there is really teaching you how to think, right? How to solve problems and how to continuously educate. So for me, I was always smart and curious but I wasn't able to apply myself with somebody in a classroom, you know, talking and then saying, do this and do that. And, and a lot of education today is test based, right? You want to score high on a test and you're taught how to score high on a test and, you know, get a, uh, you know, go to, go to college based on that, but it's not really teaching people how to necessarily think. So, so the short answer is, um, it really is classical education based and that's Acton Academy as well, which is really about individuality more than it is a, a group setting. So we discovered that for our daughter, but her, her education is, is well above and beyond that. I mean, we were traveling with her from before she was the age of, of one, exposing her to different cultures, um, exposing all of her senses to different things, right? Montessori is all 
uh, sensory-based education, hands-on, uh, seeing, touching, feeling, tasting, hearing, all of those things. So, um, and now, you know, for me, that's, that's, that's ongoing, all right? I mean, I, I, where I didn't apply myself when I was younger, now it's continuous education, finding a new topic and a new subject and stretching my reality and stretching what I believe to know about my world, recognizing that our worlds are like that small compared to, you know, the galaxy or whatever. So you start to think about it from that perspective. Um, yeah, what you can and should not learn and know really is just limited by, you know, what, how, how big you wrote your world to be. And most people, unfortunately, through they inherit a way of thinking that is very narrow and focused. You're going to grow up in this area. Mm -hmm. You're going to go through this college and, and this is the way, you know, you'll get a job and that's, that's it. Right. And then maybe you're lucky you'll travel. And even people that travel, I know a lot of people that, that travel and they will go to, you know, you go to a Marriott resort in, in Thailand versus a Marriott resort in DC, you're going to have your experience is not going to be, drastically different in terms of what the Marriott, um, you know, franchise model is about. So for me, it's really about when I'm going, when I'm traveling, how do I immerse myself into their culture? How do I understand their history and what can you learn from that? As opposed to, you know, what I see now um, most often, and I, I don't drink anymore, but I used to be that person that used to go travel and used to go to the hotel and just sit by the pool and drink. Right. And, and so you're on, quote unquote, on vacation, but you're really just drinking at a different bar. So anyway, so <laughs> yeah. to me, that's that's really where you got to expand what what the definition is around it and then um, embrace it, reflect upon it. And then what you do learn from it is really just um, taking action to really um, embody a lot of things that you're learning. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, I, I think. You know, like a lot of entrepreneurs, um, you have this trait, I have this trait is we're big on self growth. And yeah. so we'll definitely take that, pass that along to our kids, right? No, they, our kids may or may not be as interested in self growth. I don't know. Everybody's different. I remember in my family who's like, oh, okay. I clearly got this trait from, you know, my mom. She's big on self growth. Not everybody else is people are big on other things. Um, but with the the education part, it, it's just it's interesting to me because on one end, like I don't want, you know, there's many things that like they need to like my my son, right, and my any other kids that we have in the future, they'll need to learn uh, a lot of the basic things that like we learned I learned in school myself. At the same time, you know, sometimes it's like I worry it's like I don't want a certain agenda pushed on them just to make them fit like a certain yeah. certain mold right yeah. and so for me myself i don't think like similar to you i wasn't great in school i wasn't bad at school i was pretty average right but i was never like a great test taker pretty much everything i did to get as far as i did i did like a master's in accounting i did the cpa but that was just grinding like it was kind of like right. pushing a rock uphill and it was like i'm just super determined to do this yeah. it wasn't a very natural path for me to go down it was just something that I decided I was going to do. And I had to study like, like crazy, right? Probably way harder than a lot of people who was more natural for them. So when I think about these schools, it's like, 
something like Acton Academy, which is very entrepreneurial based, it's it's fascinating to me because I, you know, I don't I care less about whether or not my kids are entrepreneurs. I'd love for them to be entrepreneurial, but I think the more important thing is just teaching them to be independent thinkers, right? To think outside the box, to think differently, to have their minds thinking about things that like, okay, you're not just taught this in school, right? It's not like right. you're, you're talking about like wor real world applications of education. Um, and so that's interesting to me because I've, I, you know, I, I still have a few years, but I've kind of been torn on like, which way do we yeah. go, you know? Um, and so it sounds like you've actually found a, a school that has like, it's a Catholic school, it's faith-based, uh, it has that aspect, but it also isn't like just a certain agenda that's being applied. It's certain, like you're not, it sounds, when you say classical education, does that mean it's a little non-traditional in terms of like K through A, if you have like seven hours a day and these are the hours that you're gonna be in? Um, no, it's, it's classical. Um, if you look it up, it's, it's, it's really, um, it's a, it's a thing, right. And it's, it's anchored in, in critical thinking it's anchored into certain, you know, learning history, learning fundamentals and, okay. you know, math, English. Now we did, Stella did go to an, uh, Acton Academy last year for, for kindergarten and, oh, okay. um, and, and it, it was certainly better than sending her to say a public school or any, any kind of one size fits all, um, program. But what, uh, this particular one was a startup. It was new. This was the first year, yep. uh, you know, for, for one reason or another, it just, we, we didn't find that it was stretching. It, it, it was, the best sure. fit for Stella. One other component to it, it's very technology based, right? The kids are in front of an iPad or whatever. We don't want that. We, we technology, and this is, this is me with a technology background. Technology is, is, is a tool, but it's, it's an, an advanced tool that you got to learn fundamentals first, right? So the school that she's at now, and and one thing that's worth mentioning is not archdiocesan-based, and the reason for that is we don't want it even to be structured based on traditional um, or, or strict Catholic or church-based programs. So this is a little, this is independent her school, so it's even better. But it's a it's a technology-free school, which also means she's learning. I mean, she's learning things like like uh, uh, handwriting, right? Cursive writing. They don't teach that anymore in most schools. Right. She's, she's learning, um, you know, uh, Latin, right? And people might say, well, well, why would, why would you need Latin? Well, you understand the English language and most languages, that's, that's kind of the, the, the root of it, right? So you're learning the history of, of a lot of different components of things. So she's learning about um, you know, Greek history, she's learning about philosophy. So for us being technology free um, is is huge because right now technology is, is fantastic if it's used correctly, but the youth are more or less, they're not using it for their benefit. Um, they're using it to film, you know, narcissistic TikTok videos and just straight up nonsense in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. Um, 
Yeah, I, 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 I hear you. Uh, it's kind of technology is important, but you can always learn technology, like social skills. I feel like that's the foundation um, and being a good speaker, right? Uh, Absolutely. Like knowing the English language language very well. So when you talk about Latin, like right. I understand what you're saying. Like that's, those things are all very important, non-tangible skills that go on forever. Like you can figure out how to, you know, learn whatever CRM or Microsoft Office uh, another day or in the future. Um, but those are probably less important than the social skills. And yeah, the technology should be stacked on top of that. So yeah, you think about think about this way, if you go to any museum, right? Um, I love museums, love um, history, not not by any stretch of imagination, any kind of history buff, but I know my fair amount of history, and you look at um, classical texts, right, or or any kind of writing, and you look at say like a PNL from 17th century, like before typewriters, the penmanship and writing. Now it's a font. It would be a font. I mean, it's it, everything is beautifully beautifully written. You could understand it. I don't know about you, but man, my handwriting is crap, man. It's, it's, oh, yeah, it's terrible. It's, it's chicken scratch. So you like, I, yeah. I need the damn computer or else you're not going to understand what I'm even trying to write. But I mean, that, that's kind of just shows you the difference. And that wasn't just like a rarity. Most people could write beautifully, right? Cause that was a, a fundamental element to education and learning and communicating. You had to write letters to people, right? I mean, that's, now it's like texting. So, so I, I think the fundamental part is, is, is just, you know, it's, it's huge and it's, it's excellent. And you'll find this out. I mean, there's a big movement towards all of that and it's, um, it's exciting. It's exciting. Interesting. Very interesting. So, uh, I guess on a, a different note, you know, whatever it was a year ago or a year and a half ago, I, I went to you and we started off as really about like coaching and a lot of it was business coaching because I'm in self-storage, yeah. you're in self-storage. Uh, we both see ourselves as like more visionaries in terms of like our role within self-storage and taking a, basically building a large portfolio and uh, raising capital and doing a lot of similar things. But most of our coaching sessions really didn't have much to do with self-storage. They had to do more with, uh, education around um, uh, mindfulness and med meditation. And I have to say, I'll say here now, if I hadn't before, you know, thank you for that, because it's made a big impact on my on my life. Um, I, I started reading, I have a stack of them right here, all of these John Kabat-Zinn books, and they were fantastic. Uh, it kind of forced me just to like slow down and like yeah. you said earlier, I realized that like this moment, this stress, everything, my life, all of it is just like this tiny drop in the universe. Um, and it's interesting because it's like, you know, it, it's made me realize in many ways too, uh, just more of the connection between everyone and everything in life itself. And you know, whether you call that God or the universe, um, it makes me more aware of that, right? And of being present in the moments. And so you start noticing 
little things that sounds dumb, but I would never notice before, right? Like I'm just walking down the street and it's like, you're literally noticing like the leaves, individual leaves on the trees as they, you know, shimmer, as opposed to just kind of like staring at my phone and walking down the street or thinking about the business opportunity I have in my head. And that, you know, it's beneficial in the way from a business standpoint too, because you, you slow down and you clear your head and you're not thinking about, you know, doing these individual tasks, rather you are thinking about, it, it opens your mind up for deep work. And so it might not even be like intentional deep work, like, hey, I'm going to make this massive move that's going to, um, you know, rather than like doing one deal, it's going to allow me to do 10 or 100 deals, right? But it clears your mind to think bigger and deeper. And sometimes those thoughts and progressions will happen and sometimes they don't. Um, but I, I just want to say thank you for that and kind of get your, your thoughts on it as well. Well, I mean, for me, I was kind of... Um, uh meditation and and mindfulness was was a magic pill that that um i don't want to say was forced upon me but uh it it, it really well i mean certainly was life-changing in a lot of respects but when i was in my my mid-20s i went through a period of super high anxiety panic attacks and and just overall um i wasn't doing all that well my father my my father uh, he he was bipolar, manic depressive, and had an anxiety issue, and um, and so I I was surrounded by that for a long time. My father was in mm -hmm. and out of uh, went to uh, psychiatric hospitals and uh, 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 psychiatrist and all that, and so I, I didn't understand it. It's not something that unless you're exposed to in some form or another, that typically ma doesn't make any sense. And most people. Today, even that talk about meditation, oh, I got an app, right? I meditate five minutes here or there or whatever. Um, I, I think that's, that's great. Uh, however, for me, it was really, I developed a, a, a deep um, issue that I had to solve. And I thought I was dying, right? If anybody ever watched, if you watched the Analyze This, it's a great, funny movie that kind of highlights what it's about. And that's the mobster that, starts getting panic attacks and and he starts harassing a, a bill it's robert de niro billy crystal and uh when he starts talking about it, he said when he's in the hospital he said no sir you you know you had a panic attack and he said panic attack he said do i look like a person that panic he's a mobster right and and he intimidates the doctor and says this isn't panic no 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 sorry it's, it was a panic right and he said well i think i had like five heart attacks in the last week and that's how scary it is. So anyway, so I, I started getting panic attacks. I didn't know what it was and started going uh, to doctors and getting all kinds of tests. And after months of this, the, the, the diagnosis or the prescription was to go see a psychologist. And I'm like, what the hell is that about? So I go see a psychologist and I sit there and we start talking and he starts explaining to me. Um, he starts analyzing my breathing while I'm sitting there. He has me put one hand on my stomach and one hand on my chest. And he starts having me breathe. And he immediately noticed that I was a really shallow breather. That was like, and you just see my hand moving, but not my stomach. And he said, that's your shallow breather. And then that triggers, you know, uh, uh, anxious thoughts and anxious thoughts create this, this endless loop and you end up in the, with these panic attacks. So anyway, 
that led me to saying, all right, well, if I'm not physically dying um, and it's something else, I got to figure this out. So I started learning about it, right? What is, what is anxiety? What are, you know, how to control it? And I landed on, on meditation and um, believe it or not, the, my first introduction to it was the book called The Secret. And mm. I, I mentioned that to you and, and it's kind of a, like a commercial take and, of, of, uh, you know, the law of attraction, but inside that I took that a step further. So I read that book and I was super intrigued by it, this law of attraction that we can kind of attract what we want out of life. And, and I started to look at all the contributors in the back of the book and I don't remember who, I mean, it's, this goes back a while. Um, but I remember the common theme from all of these different teachers in this book was going back to meditation and and learning how to control your breath and your thoughts and and your your actual energy and basically modulate or otherwise alter the frequency that you operate from so so that you know when i started that when i got into meditation it was a dvd that i still have bookmarked um that i, I may have shared with you and i i lived on my own um I had a room that I had pretty much set up to be my meditation room. And I would meditate for an hour, essentially like an hour a day, uh, most days with a, my laptop there. And I put the DVD in and, and I would have, uh, I would meditate and, and I started to experience like transformations. Like I would be there and one minute I thought I was sleeping another mean, minute I'm hysterical crying and, it was just a, a process that I went through to kind of uh, transform myself into uh, being more mindful and present and, and just being self-aware and kind of like what you described and seeing leaves, uh, individual leaves and all that. And so I've been cultivating that now for over 20 years. And it's, it's a very um, deep part of my life. Um, you know, it's, it's more now in the form of, of, of church and God and, and, and Jesus Christ and, and just channeling my energy for discovering my purpose and not that it's, Hey, I want to do self storage because I want to make a bunch of money, but I keep asking myself, why, why, why am I interested in this? Why am I doing this? And it's, it's really about discovering what is where is my place of peace? What is driving me to do what I'm doing on a day by day basis? And um, yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm more grounded now and, and present now than, than I have ever been. Um, I've, I've been able to create huge capacities for what most people would say are extremely stressful situations. And, um, and I'm really just following a lot of other uh, instructors and teachers that are far more above and beyond where certainly where I'm at now and I aspire to be. Uh, John Kabat-Zinn is, is certainly huge there. Uh, there's so many different instructors in the actual mindfulness and meditation world, but there are also examples everywhere. If you're into athletics and sports, which, which I love sports, you find any elite level player and they've got a huge practice, probably just as much, if not bigger, in their mindfulness meditation and just getting yep. into what they might call the zone. So it's it's just, um, you know, it's 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 a lot of work, 
which is why a lot of people, um, I don't want to say dismiss it, but it's much easier to say, hey, I'm just going to go to the gym and pump a lot of iron or I'm going to try these supplements or I'm going to do a cold plunge or a sauna. There's, you know, especially in GoBundance, there's a ton of, um, you know, hacks and, and trying to create longevity and, and ultra, you know, uh, uh, levels of health. When in reality, it's it's all right there, right? It really doesn't cost anything, but except a big commitment and a lot of work, and most people just don't want to do it. Yeah, the time. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's pretty pretty interesting. I know the the cold tub and stuff, right? Probably forces you to really forces you to become more present. It's hard to focus on. Think about your uh, business issue when you know, you jump in a cold tub and all you can think about is trying to breathe right there. And it's like a way to probably forces you to do that. Yeah. Uh, I noticed for myself within the past year, right, which I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, my son is a year old now, I have fallen off quite a bit with the, the daily meditation practice, right? And mm. from one end, it's like, well, that's kind of the time of, of uh, life that I'm in. But on the other end, it's like, how, you know, I, it made a difference and it's something I want to practice more. And it was easier once my son, when he was little, right? Because I could take him on a walk. We could sit there at the park. He could sleep, right? I could meditate. That's becoming harder and harder. How, what would you do? Like, what would you recommend for somebody like me or somebody who has, you know, young children? And maybe the answer is simply like, look, you just got to make the time and, and that's it. But, um, well, I think it's it's really a matter of, um, you know, you have to look at it as just as important as 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 brushing your teeth or eating a meal. Mm -hmm. right? It's that's that's the way to to really look at it. I mean, my my schedule right now is is packed to the gills, but I'm not like what I've trained to do. What, what I've, I've altered my life over these last few years is I'm up at 4 a.m. I'm up at 4 a.m. My daughter's up at 6.45, right? So I've got two hours. I mean, the, my wife, she's not home today, but I'll go, be able to go to the gym, um, you know, go for walks, whatever. So it's about making that as as much of a part of your life as as getting dressed and putting on your shoes. And, and what happens over time, like right now, um, I don't, meditation is always with me, right? It's, it's, it is a part of my life and it's not necessarily about sitting still and, and, you know, being on my cushions and all of that. I could be with my daughter in, you know, an activity at the zoo or whatever. And I'm bringing my awareness back to the moment. That's the same thing. You don't have yeah. to be in a different level of meditation. And, and so really it's about living mindful, not necessarily having to go through, you know, ritualistic practices. I mean, church, we go to church every Sunday. That's that's an hour of me being present and, and you know, the present of, presence of God. And um, when I, I, it's really just a matter of when I find myself distracted or I need things to slow down, it's when I double down all my meditation practice. So I think it really is just a matter of finding what 
works for you, but making sure that you're always reminded to get back to your grounding and, and, mm -hmm. and really focus because it's just by you saying, I don't have time. It's, it's, we've all got the same 24 hours in the day, right? We've all got yep. the same amount of time every single day. So it's a matter of how do I prioritize what are my priorities, right? And so that's going to be different for everybody. Knowing you've got uh, a one-year-old, um, you know, it, it might mean to be to be with your son and and give your wife some time to get away, and that naturally might create more time for you because it's kind of um, just reciprocating, just just giving space and all that. So you got to just kind of figure yeah. out what where it is that that works um you know right now i'm in this weird uh super stressful buying this farm and everything and i've been finding myself waking up at 3 a.m which is even earlier than i i'd like and just put my headphones on and, and i'll put on a a meditation and uh, and i'm either going to fall asleep or at least i'm channeling a lot a, a more productive energy it's all about making sure that we're operating at a higher level frequency than one that is uh, taking energy from us. So it's always operating from a place of positive energy, not negative energy. Yep, that makes sense. I used to think meditation was sitting there and emptying your mind of literally anything. And through these John Kabat-Zinn books, what I've learned is that it's less about emptying your mind of anything and it's more about focusing Yes. on one thing and so with a lot of meditation right it's like focusing on breath but what it started to do was you know i'd focus on one thing so maybe it was just feel maybe it was just touch right yeah. maybe it was the wind blowing or maybe it was sight it was just like yeah. simply you know what i could see or looking out at the lake or maybe it was listening it was just hearing all the different sounds um and so that kind of opened my eyes quite a bit in terms of like, okay, what is meditation? And that translated over into even now when I'm not practicing as much still gives me a stronger muscle for focus and presence, right? Being present on one thing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's very impactful. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned, uh, manifestation, right? And you have meditation, mm -hmm. manifestation, and, uh, right. Like the law of attraction and you can, manifest what you want in life. Um, how would you connect those two? Because there's obviously a connection, but they're obviously like mm -hmm. different things. And so uh, how would you kind of bridge that gap between so meditation and manifestation? The simplest way to think about it is um, uh, it, meditation is training focus and, and training focus on the present moment, what you're thinking about and doing at any given moment. As you are navigating through life, we, we, it's, it's scientific fact, it's indisputable that we're energy beings, right? That we just conduct mm -hmm. energy and, and we gravitate and, and all of that. So if you just operate with that premise, right? This easiest way to think about it is you get a phone call on your phone or you get, you, know, you turn on a radio, you get sound, right? So there's no disputing radio frequencies, right? So to, to know that you operate on a radio frequency is, is pretty, should be pretty straightforward, right? So 
it's really about being mindful of what frequency you're operating on and then being able to modulate, moderate, alter, tweak your radio frequency to where you want to be, right? And, and, and paying attention to what's actually happening and, and answering the call of what needs to be done on any given moment, right? We all know the feeling of, hey, my gut doesn't feel right about this, or my gut says do this. That's 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 it, right? You're 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 if you follow your gut, then you're following a calling. You're you're able to. That is a method of manifesting, right? You get signs all day long, mm-hmm. in you know just through life, and somebody come up coming up to you and saying, "Hey, you know, Sean, I've." Um, I'm interested in in what you're doing in storage. I'd like to learn more. If you don't follow up, you just miss the calling, right? You got to follow up and 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 be super accountable to that. And you're you're and you if you do that, you're going towards where you're 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 destined to go. Um, if you're if you're you're not feeling well, right, and you're you're sick and you're super stressed or whatever. That's your body telling you that you've got to make some change. If you don't make some change, you end up sick or whatever. So the manifesting part is really just about paying attention to any given moment and observing what clues you are being given to where you want to go. Now, you have to be able to have a vision and have a general sense of purpose in in what you want to do in order to follow it you can't like these guys that are out there starting like 10 businesses right i you know i listen to i won't mention any names i listen to so and so and she says you know just keep buying businesses and they keep buying businesses here and doing this whatever they're able to execute by acquiring these businesses or whatever and but at the same time, not focused on any given purpose other than buying these businesses versus if you slow down. And I've had this experience myself where I've just said, no, 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 I can't have a property management business. I can't be in residential retail. I can't have an RV rental business and do any of it really well. So if I really want to focus, I've got to get rid of all this noise and just do the one thing and do it well. And that's transformed my company, my business and my direction to it's created more space in my personal life, right? You got your, your business life, which is about making money to support what other vision goals you have, your family, your household and all that. But that's not, in, in a lot of cases, not a one, one correlation to what is our true purpose. So for, for my wife and I, for uh, Corinne and I, we are discovering that our purpose is around leading a new generation or generations in in education and education grounded in living with the world not on and using the world meaning this is this is our calling to buy a farm and and once we go to this farm we have this vision of having uh, curriculums based to teach kids farming right animals um agriculture and all of that. And we've started conversations with our daughter's school to develop curriculums around that to actually bring people there. 
had I had all these other businesses, I would not have been able to create that room to understand this is really what it's about. And then it's about the manifestation part is really about this is what I'm drawn to. I want to do this, but I can't do it if I've got all these distractions. So I got to just drop a lot of things and, and go there. So um, meditation really is about channeling your attention, your focus and paying attention to the signs that are coming to you. Um, and then leveraging that to clarify your vision and then being able to take the appropriate actions to execute on the steps that you need to to bring that vision to life. I mean, it's it's very well documented. Um, anybody like pick, you know, uh, uh, huge achievers, hugely successful people, and they've all got a story of a vision and and the need to take action and and following that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's very well said. So kind of recap in my own words, I would think of it like meditation is really what allows you to open up and see, listen, recognize the signals that life is yes. giving you, the universe is giving you. And manifestation is having an overall dream, vision, goals, but then allowing your intuition and yeah. the universe to show you the path there. Absolutely. Meditation allows you to recognize those signals. Is that absolutely a yeah, fair recap? That's very well said. Very well said. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right, Sergio. So I know you only have a few more minutes here, and I want to switch gears uh, and talk a little bit about self storage and hearth fire holdings. Uh, where are you at today? Um, I know. Like last we spoke, you were looking at uh, different ways to raise capital. You were looking at the fund model, the family office model. Um, the market's changed a ton, right? Like their interest rates have gone up like crazy. Are you still buying a, a lot right now? Have you slowed down? What What is, where are you at today? Yeah, I mean, we certainly haven't slowed down. Uh, the, our focus over the last year has been to uh, implement or bring in the right people to help execute the mm -hmm. next level of growth. Um, so we've spent our time uh, on talent and and people that can help um, achieve next level of growth. It's all about scale and exponential growth, right? You can only do so much by yourself or with few guys or whatever. So in order to take those those big leaps, um, you got to develop, you got to reinvent or rediscover re, uh, or, or develop some new skills. And for me and for Corinne, it's really been about uh, recognizing going from self storage and deals to building an investment platform and a company. And and, and in order to do that, number one is we got to be have very strong conviction uh, in in being able to sell our vision to the people that want to join us and then become better leaders, better leaders of ourselves, better leaders of, of a company. Being a visionary and, and super high D, that's the space that I, I need to play in, not managing people. So, it's, so our, our journey there started with bringing in a COO, somebody to manage the people, the resource and the team. And so um, in achieving scale, is and and making this more about a company than it is about deals, right? Deals are are easy. Buy a property, execute a business plan, or whatever. It's not easy and simple, 
but doing it at scale is very difficult. And in doing it at scale, you can't do it by yourself. So therefore, you've got to develop a new set of skills, processes, systems, and all that. So, uh, so we've uh, focused on building the next chapter based on where the market is at. Like retail investors and your everyday investors, they're uh, they're a lot harder to come by than they were uh, a year, two years ago. So we've said, if we got access to this strong deal. Uh, pipeline, then we need strong capital to come with it as well. And, and it can't be scared capital. Scared capital is the person that says, hey, I've got $50,000 to invest, but I can't afford to lose it, right? Not not anybody, most people can't, not that they can afford to lose it, but you got to be able to, um, you know, have invest an investment pool of dollars that is going to allow you to execute and and build and grow. So, so we still have some retail investment options um, for you know friends, family, and and our network. Uh, but we're also doing joint ventures with family offices, um, institutional money, and and other platforms. So so we're developing our company to be more about investment capabilities than than and we are focused exclusively on self storage right now. Doesn't mean we always will be. But self-storage is our bread and butter right now. And, and really, it's about building an infrastructure to support a lot of growth, um, investors, um, and gen just generating strong returns. So, so that's our focus. Uh, focus. Um, we've got a really strong pipeline of, of properties, either under contract or uh, not far behind. It's, it's, they're not, deals aren't easy to come by these days, but right. um, they're out there. Right. And are you still using traditional bank financing, putting down about yeah. raising capital, putting down about 30%? And Yeah. I mean, it's, it's usually about 35% now. Um, we're seeing maximum okay. leverage is about 60, 65% in a lot of cases. Um, you know, okay. uh, commercial lending is is very super, super tight. We're still looking at uh, primary or or direct lenders um, for now that still come with full recourse and and all of that uh, just because you know low teens that's expensive capital there and and it really in, in, impairs the ability for yield um, so we're um, yeah we're we've got a lot of out folks out there that are sourcing debt and um, we're, we're finding it. It's not easy to, to come by and it's, it's, it's changing. We're, we're hoping that we're on, um, we're approaching more solid ground uh, going forward and the worst is behind us, um, but we'll see. Right, right. Are you, see so you're still at, I'm guessing seven, 8% interest rates are what you're seeing and um, like, yeah. is that High sevens, eights, um, what we're seeing for what we're doing, that's that's pretty common. Um, non Are amortization, amortization periods extending at all, like in order to kind of lower payments? No, nah, there's or... still 25, 25 years for what we're doing. Um, you know, we're, yeah. we're getting five-year terms. Uh, if it's a development project, we're getting um, typically max two years interest only for construction. Uh, and then... Uh, you know, term loans, five, some 10 years stuff. Uh, that's what we're seeing. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. It's tough, but 
just means uh, you have to find more more solid deals. And how's it going with the the integrator, the COO, the the integrator? Uh, I mean, he's, Mike's awesome. Uh, he's 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 been with in storage for going on twenty five years. So he's worked with extra public um, store space. Um, uh, it's amazing. Uh, you know, he's he's we got very strong complementary skills. Um, his his ability to uh, manage the team and and uh, our goals is is fantastic. Um, it allows me. It's given me the the mental space to be more creative and thinking at a much higher level. I never thought that. I never. I didn't recognize just how much of executing on on tasks and the day-to-day -day removes the ability to yeah. actually think creatively so so just taking Absolutely. a lot of that off my plate has been just been tremendous it's great that's fantastic that's awesome glad to hear that well sergio if anybody wants to get in touch with you you know find more uh, find out more about hearthfire yeah. Just talk to you about coaching or just to talk about self-storage, anything. What's the best way for them to, to reach out? Yeah, so a simple way is Sergio at hfireholdings.com. You can find me, Sergio Altamari, at, at, on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, our website is hfirecapital.com. Sign up on our mailing list there. I'm not doing a lot of um, or much at all uh, personal coaching these days, just really focused on on the business, uh, but always willing to uh, help out where I can and, and point people in the right direction. So if this is of interest to anybody. Uh, shoot me an email. I do respond to all my emails. I'm not um, I'm not famous to where my uh, where I can't respond. All right. Well, Sergio, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate your time here. Absolutely. Thanks, Sean, my brother. You'll be good. Thanks. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. It was an amazing episode. We know we sure learned a lot, and we hope you did as well. We want to take a second and thank you so much for viewing or listening to this episode. And please just know that we only ask for one favor, and that is to make this life magnificent. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.